Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 334. That's 334. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor, Tucker Marcus. Yes, we are here on a snowy morning in New York City. Oh, yeah. uh, I wish we're, we're in our fun creative space where if you've seen videos of our Smitey Show or some of our other programs... Uh, it's cool, but I want to see the snow when we're recording. Yeah. So can we go outside, Brandon, and record the rest of this episode? <laughs> like a man the on the street. Yeah. Yeah. Really cold. But you know, speaking of men on the street, I wanted to bring in someone special for our biggest news of the week. The biggest news of the week is, of course, that there are some really cool additions coming to three Disney theme parks. Whoa. And we decided to bring in uh, a little guest. Sir, introduce yourself. Hello. Thanks, Ryan. I'm Ron Richards. I'm the VP Managing Editor of Marvel.com. So you went with the VP. I did. Good. I you did. made that executive you made, decision. You made me. You, yeah, it's fine. How yeah. you doing? Good. I'm real good. Yeah. I'm glad you could come in. I, I wanted you to be here because you are our resident uh, <laughs> themed entertainment expert. Some would say fanatical devotion to the Disney parks. Uh, that would be accurate. Yeah. Yeah, that would be accurate. So, so accurate in, <laughs> in so much that you have a meeting scheduled with one of our, our colleagues to help him with his itinerary for his family <laughs> vacation. Listen, a Disney vacation is a wonderful and magical thing. <laughs> But a big part of it is you got to put in the work beforehand. Yeah. If you don't put in the work beforehand, you want to make sure your family has a great time. And yeah. so I'm happy to share my knowledge and my experience with the Disney parks with I spent anybody some, who needs it. So I spent some time last night going through and making my fast pass decisions and my dining decisions. I texted you for some insight. We chatted a little bit. Yeah, no, the, the Disney parks are so wonderful because there's so many ways to have fun. And I happen to have found this little niche of planning. And like figuring out what the right order, you know, the park opens at this time. So you want to be, be position, position yourself here. You don't want to miss this show. Like it's it's all the pieces. And then you get there and you have a magical time. It's yes. wonderful. Magical yeah. time indeed. <laughs> so why we're talking about all this on this episode is because there are going to be a ton of new additions to three different parks. First is going to be Disneyland Resort. Yep. In Anaheim, they're getting some additions to some pieces that are already there. Yeah. So as 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 I would imagine, much of the listening audience knows already, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout opened last year. It was a retheming of the Tower of Terror, which is a great attraction in and of itself, still available at Disney World. But the new retheming of Guardians of the Galaxy was the the kind of first foray of Marvel into the Disney parks. I still have yet to be able to ride it. I haven't made it out to Anaheim yet, but mm. you've been on it. I've been on it multiple yeah. times. Yeah. I, I believe there's video of you reacting to it, yes. which I can't un erase from my brain, unfortunately. <laughs> Nor should uh, you. It's uh, uh, from an episode of Thwip from last year. I The second time I wrote it was with uh, Eric Goldman, who's on our team. Yep. And I got so like intensely terrified of being on it that and I was right next to the side of it that I dug my arm into the safety bar so much that like it's taken some time to work out like a deep bruise because I was <laughs> a bone bruise right? yeah well so yeah well, so that opened and if fans might remember when it did open uh, there was a mysterious little hatch with the Avengers logo on it, right? And that was kind of the Imagineers kind of teased that there was more coming. Well, this past week, uh, we did announce that in addition to Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man and the Avengers will be joining the the superhero universe that will be built out at, Disney, at, at Disneyland Resort at California Adventure. And it's actually, if you've been to California Adventure, you might remember there's a big Bugs Land themed area. Fortunately, that's going away. Love the Bugs Land, love Pixar. That's great, but now you know it's time for Marvel to move in. So uh, it's tough to be a bug. Actually, closed uh, earlier this month in March, and uh, the remaining area of Bugs Land is going to close this summer. And uh, come 2020, fans will be able to experience Marvel in, D in Disneyland like they never have before. Yeah, yeah. our friend Brian Crosby, uh, yep. you know him and and his team have been working very closely with the Imagineers, with Marvel Studios, with all the folks who are putting this together. And so, you know, we've been, we've been getting information from Brian and Beth and Ryan and that team for a while. And it's just been like, can, when can we talk about it? It's really <laughs> exciting. Uh, and it's not just there, though, right? Yeah. So we have two other parks. Yeah, so that, that's what's really exciting is that. So Disneyland Paris, which I have been to, but it was like what? 20 years ago. It was, it, oh. was, it was in my senior year of college. I went wow. out to Disneyland Paris. This is more like 40 years ago. Oh, I'm just I'm imagining you with like a beret and like a <laughs> was, like a horizontally striped shirt 
It was pretty and, like, close. You're holding hands with a mime. Let's, 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 let's safe to say that I enjoyed my time in Paris. And uh, I, I was the obnoxious American going, where's the champs, Ulysses? And, and oh. yeah, can I get a hamburger? No, but Disneyland Paris is amazing. It's just outside of Paris, a short train right away. But up to this point, Disneyland Paris really hasn't had any Marvel presence in the, in the park. So it's super exciting that come 2020 as well, they're going to unveil their section, the Marvel-themed area at uh, Disneyland Paris, and it's going to feature Iron Man and Avengers in what they call a hyperkinetic adventure, Ooh. which is going to be very, very cool. But they, they're getting in on the action a little earlier, though. If, you, if you're in Europe or if you're going to Paris, this summer they're going to be having the Marvel Summer of Superheroes starting from June 10th to September 30th. So Disneyland Paris starting to get in on the Marvel action, yeah, uh, which I, is pretty awesome. I think they did that last year as well. And they also, they've announced or previously that there's going to be the uh, the hotel there yep. the you know the New York hotel it's Marvel slash New York themed that that hotel when I went there, I, I don't they must have changed it but when I went there it's fa- the hotels at Disneyland Paris are amazing because they're all kind of clustered together as opposed to were uh, in Orlando where they're kind of all spread apart and I actually went to the New York hotel because being from New York I wanted to see it and you walk in there have two lobbies and you walk in the lobby and there's this beautiful marble floor and in the middle of the marble floor is the Mets logo and the Yankees oh, logo that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just so very so I'm really I, I'm really psyched to see them take that hotel and morph it into a Marvel kind of presence you know and get rid of that Yankees logo <laughs> um, alright well we'll get into that another time but uh, what's the final part so, so yeah so Hong Kong Disneyland has already had some Marvel in it there's an amazing Iron Man attraction there they're going to be expanding that creating a new themed area and they're going to be adding an Ant-Man and the Wasp attraction which is pretty cool and that attraction is going to be joining the Iron Man experience don't have a date on it yet but Iron Man experience in Hong Kong is already like the most popular attraction at that park and so I gotta imagine you know a lot of the stuff that they that they're gonna do with Ant-Man and the Wasp will just kind of bring bring up that level of uh, interest amongst the fans so. yeah this week on the pull list we talked about Iron Man Hong Kong Heroes yeah. which is a new comic that is connected to the Iron Man experience which is really neat sort of takes that story in a, in a new direction in the comics so we'll obviously have lots more information and stuff to talk about as more updates come we're gonna have to do some you know on-scene reporting, recording. We, listen, I've already been scoping out flights to China. I'm just saying. Uh, you, it's, it's surprisingly how affordable it is to get, get to Hong Kong, uh, almost deceivingly. But the worst part of these announcements are the fact that now we have to wait a, even a little more. You know, t- 2020, even though it's you know only two years away, it feels like an eternity waiting for these attractions to open up. There's got to be something Arno Stark happening in, in one of these I things. So. You know, 2020, <laughs> an Iron Man with, with great idea with the spikes, the spikes and everything. The, oh. the, Cogs, whatever it is. That's what I'm all about. All right. Ron, thank you for joining us. If you have questions about your Disneyland or Disney World vacation, you can tweet to RonXO on Twitter. And you better believe he'll give you all the details. It's just magical. It's so much fun. Anytime. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ron. All right. So I've also, in addition to thinking about all the theme park stuff, I've been playing a test version of Marvel Strike Force. And boy... It is fun. Yeah. It is addicting. Did you get it yet? Yeah. One of our producers here, Garrett Richardson, he set me up. I've dipped my toes, Uh but it looks, I mean, it's been so fun. It's really cool to see the next evolution of of Marvel mobile games. Yeah. It's uh, it's got this like Avengers Alliance-y type vibe to it Mm -hmm. in that you've got a a squad and you build your your team. It's turn-based and you go against another team. We're going to get into it more once the game actually, you know, comes out. We'll have news for that whenever that happens. But I just want you guys to know that I'm playing it. I'm digging it. And I, uh, you know, if we have bits and pieces that can connect with you and the fans, like if we can play together, we'll find a way to do it. I would love to set up some sort of This Week in Marvel crew and we can all play there there's a chat function in it already Mm -hmm. so lots of opportunities to have some fun there so stay tuned for more on that one bit of fun business we'll get to more in the news section is i'm on a comic book cover guys oh yeah yeah i'm i'm the greatest person who's ever lived how about (laughs) that uh not not that at all but i am on the cover to moon girl and devil dinosaur number 33 part of a big like four issue arc with some cool photo slash illustrated variant not even variants these are the regular covers right yeah wow yeah it's so cool Thousands and thousands of people are going to see my mug. It's going to be great. So we'll talk about that more in the news section. Don't forget to watch the latest episode of Earth's Mightiest Show because I co-hosted with Lorraine. We had some fun with Jimmy O. Yang from Silicon Valley. It was a good episode. I had a lot of fun. And uh, I maybe made us have to record the whole show twice. But I think it was better the second time around. You know what? That's the way it goes. Every other week, you know, I like to give you all some, some delicious, succulent. Oh, boy. 
food wordplay to tweet at me and maybe maybe I'll give you something fun. You have to be able to let me DM you on the Twitter. But if you tweet plump sardines, that's oh, man. plump sardines to uh, to me with the hashtag this week in Marvel. I'm at Agent M on Twitter before March 30th. Maybe I'll hook you up with something. That's one that feels like there should be a bleep over 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 you saying those words. What? Like we're, we're we're really progressing to a new level here. I was sitting at my desk. I'm going, hmm, what can I choose this week? Uh, plump sardines. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh boy. So hope you guys enjoy it. Get ready. Unleash the plump sardines on the Twitter. Uh, that is what we're doing. One question that we will get to later in the Q and A section is someone has asked if we can list what our picks of the week are, both in the show notes, the episode description, as well as maybe here at the beginning of the show. I think that'll help because some people want to read their books before we do a deep dive into them. So this week, we're going to be talking about Cable, number 155, Mighty Thor, number 705, and Tales of Suspense, number 103, plus a little bit of talk about Damnation, number three. Yeah, a little little spoilery action. I I really wanted to talk about the last kind of scene in the book. So yeah, just a heads up on, on Doctor Strange, Damnation, number three. Great. And so we will be putting that stuff into the show notes, the episode description, and all the places so you guys can read before you dive in. I think that's a really great suggestion. And we're going to tackle things right up front. Why don't you start off with Doctor Strange Damnation and what you wanted to talk about? So I I spoke about this on the poll list this week. I'm just really, really loving the entire kind of mini event of Damnation and how it's kind of reaching across different titles and everything. We talked about how cool Blade is in this issue. Uh, We talked about how Donny Cates has spoken about how it's been tough for him to not let this just become a Blade book, which is completely understandable. And as you mentioned, it's it's kind of a, a heavily Wesley Snipes influenced Blade, which is so cool. So there's a Blade showdown in this book. As we move towards the end, Mephisto obviously is ruling over Las Vegas with an iron fist with a... Well, yeah, because, you know, he's involved. Anyway, Johnny Blaze comes in in heroic fashion and kind of he decides enough is enough. He knows he has he's one of the heroes that kind of has a semi immunity to uh, Mephisto's power because a lot of the other heroes who were who kind of were pure goodness and had, uh, you know, only good in their souls were some of the first to go. But because Johnny Blaze is the spirit of vengeance, because he has kind of the power of hell within him already, he has he can uh, bring another dimension to the fight against Mephisto. Mephisto is residing at the top of this tower looking over Las Vegas, looking down at Ben Morse's beautiful house and family. Yep. And Johnny Blaze rides his hog. He rides his sweet motorcycle. The way you said hog, <laughs> you get on me about saying plump sardines. He rides that hog straight up. The, <laughs> he rides it vertically up Mephisto's tower. It is so cool. There's some incredible lettering work of just the roar of the motorcycle as he does it. He crashes through the top of the tower and meets Mephisto face to face. Mephisto says, well, that was a neat little trick. Did you have fun, Johnny? And then just like that, snaps his fingers and puts out the fire of the Ghost Rider. And he's just Johnny Blaze again. He's just normal human Johnny Blaze. And he can't believe it. It's a crazy thing to see, really, especially for for uh, you know a character that we know and have always known, kind of to 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 be and be infused with these kind of powers. So he's shocked. He doesn't know how to respond. Mephisto says, "I lifted your curse, Johnny. You're human again. Congratulations!" And he kicks him out the window. He defenestrates the dude. He falls to the ground. It's insane. There is more just wonderful lettering work, more wonderful art here. And this is the line that made me want to talk about this. It's what Mephisto says after Johnny Blaze hits the ground. We don't know what's going to happen to him after. We don't know if he survived. We don't know what. Right before, you know, Johnny Blaze says, but why? Why did, why did you do this? Why did you make me human again? Kicks him out the window. Mephisto looks down out the broken window and says, for the hell of it. Yeah. Woo! So good. Woo! Tasty Mephisto action. Now, I know the way that the story kind of ends and where we go out of Mm -hmm. Damnation. So when this happened, I was like, wait, 
what right. what's going on, right. what's happening here, because I don't I don't know all the bits and pieces, which is great because I, I like being surprised. And this surprised the hell out of me. It's a great moment. It also got me thinking. It was like, well, Johnny Blaze is his. He got his powers from Zarathos. How does that play into things? Mm-hmm. Is Mephisto? Is it all a trick? Is it all real? What's going on? Has like there's so many questions I can't wait to get my hands on. Not just the next issue of the main series, but mm-hmm. there's another connected issue, right? About yeah. Johnny Blaze, Ghost Rider, tied to Damnation. Yeah, that, that comes out next week. We get that next week. So I'm excited to read that. It's definitely something that is going to have people talking. It's really, really, really neat. Yeah. And, and yeah, so kudos and thanks and just awesome work to writers Donnie Cates and Nick Spencer, artist Simon Kodransky, and colorist Dan Brown on Doctor Strange Damnation number three. Heck yeah. Also, big ups to one of my picks. It's Cable number 155. And this is... The first issue of Past Fears, a a new arc, new creative team for the book. On the pull list, I talked about how this has one of my favorite covers of the week by Daniel Warren Johnson. It's just very simple shot of Cable with a minigun, essentially. Sort of an isometric view of him, but he's loaded up. There's bullets flying everywhere. His giant arms are flexing. It's like this was taken... From the movie version of Cable that is like Predator in my mind. Right. Like, like if Predator didn't happen and it was a movie about Cable, this is the yeah. scene I would have yeah. loved it, to have seen. And it's really interesting to see. Like you, you mentioned that it's cool to see the Wesley Snipes blade influence. You know, it's it's certainly not called out or anything, but you feel the influence there on the creative team because they're part of that generation. They love that movie. And I feel like this is a similar thing. It, it feels like a, a kind of... 80s 90s action movie throwback version of the character and it gets into the kind of classic cable that we all know and love very quickly i mean i was so shocked with this new creative team to see how far they jumped in with their first issue yeah so the new creative team is zach thompson and lonnie nadler they're the writers i don't know if this is their first total marvel work but it's the first thing i remember Mm -hmm. reading from them uh, and they just knocked out of the park art by herman peralta Colors by Jesus Arbutov and letters by Travis Lanham. So they they just come in guns blazing. Like the first scene is Nathan as a young kid and he's running from a monster. This just awful, awful monster. So right away we get this throwback to his days, Cable growing up far, far in the future, being raised by Red and Slim, who were the time displaced Jean Grey and Scott Summers. But we get this, you know, the scene and and just the horror of this gross monster going after him, and then Nathan's techno-organic virus sort of getting out of control and, and, and morphing and messing with him. Part of what I love about Cable is he's so incredibly powerful, but so much of his power is used to keep himself alive mm-hmm. at any given time. He uses his telekinesis to hold back the the virus so much. And, you know, like he struggles with just living every day and he's constantly trying to save the world and save time itself. That's why he's one of my favorite characters. There's such a heroism to him that, you know, is really at the core of who he is, despite, you know, he's got the gut giant guns and you see him, you know, doing all the crazy stuff that he does. But boom, then we go right into the year 2049. It's him jumping out of a window with a little girl trying to save her. There's sentinels, there's crazy stuff. Nimrod, he's trying to save mutants across time and he takes this little girl and shifts her family to a different time period. Boom, we've got all these cool things going on with Cable. And then what made me really happy is we shift completely to see... Hope. Hope Summers, Cable's daughter. There was a great run by Dwayne Straczynski, Ariel Olivetti, and a bunch of other creators where Cable and Hope were hopping through time, living their lives, you know, just great father-daughter story. It was parts of it were like Lone Wolf and Cub or, or you know, really mm-hmm. great bonding tale. But they were also being pursued by a bishop when he was of the mind that they were the problem and he needed to stop them. It was a whole great storyline. I highly suggest you check it out. It's Cable mm-hmm. from, I don't know, seven years or so ago. Right. You can read it all on Marvel Unlimited or the Marvel app. But Hope has since, she's grown up and she's been such a cool character over the years. She comes to the X-Mansion, which is in Central Park, and she just wants to 
she needs to get away. She needs to uh, get away from what she's been dealing with and sort of be with people. So you get into her headspace a little bit, but then things start coming together. You see the monster that was going after Cable is kind of going after her. There makes a huge change in hope physically. Uh, you know, just the way she looks is updated in this issue, sort of giving her a nice mirror to Cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the meat of this issue, the thing that really hooked me was the emotional relationship stuff. Again, going back to the things that I loved about that older run were just this familial bond. And we haven't gotten a lot of that recently. And I think that has elevated Cable over the years. So we bring that back here and Zach and Lonnie just crush it. The dialogue, the moments. One of my favorite panels of the week is a silent panel between the two of them where Cable and Hope are just hugging. And it's so sweet. Cable is like, he, he apologizes for what he's done, what he's not done for her, and, and so many like great emotional bits in here. And that's like almost halfway or about halfway into the issue. After that, it's like, okay, great. Now they're together. They're going to work to beat the, the friggin' monster mm-hmm. that's go- that has been going after Cable all his life and is going after her now. So we get cool, badass Cable stuff. We get to see Hope, who has been trained by Cable to be as equal a badass. We get to see sort of the history of this monster with Cable. So many cool things. I love this because it feels like it connects to everything that has made Cable great over the years. It's taking all of it, synthesizing it, and pushing it forward. Great acting and facials in the art. Herman just does such a great job. I also love that we see body sliding and time sliding uh-huh. in this. Uh, those things bring me joy. That's how, uh, It was always a cool part, you know, where Cable would be like, body slide by one or, you know, uh-huh. time slide by one. It's just, it's a neat thing because he can do those things. He can transport through space and time. And there's a, a fun little thing where, yeah, if you're not really used to the body sliding, right. you're going to puke. Right. You better believe there's puking in here. Now, I just need to have Cable yelling, stab his eyes, which is a just, <laughs> right. you know, Ben and I would, would joke about this. Ben yeah. Morse and I, when he was on the show, about how that was a Cable catchphrase mm-hmm. in the 90s, stab his eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, you yell it when you're like, gosh darn it or whatever. You just be like, stab his eyes. Right. And so I really want that to happen. <laughs> I put that out to Zach and Lonnie on Twitter and Zach told me, oh, we'll get that in issue 157 or something that'll make me happy in issue 157. So this is the first work I've read by them. Sign me up for more. Sign me up for more of their cable. This was tremendous. Yeah. Like I said, it was so, it was kind of shocking to see a creative team jump on board and go so deep right away. Like I, I feel like you would expect like a fun action issue or something where that kind of keeps the scope very limited before kind of going going deeper over the course of like the first arc or the first couple of arcs, but to see how heavy they went with the action, certainly with the emotion, with the legacy of Cable and, yeah. and his place in the Marvel Universe was so, so cool to see. Shouts to editors Darren Shan and Chris Robinson for, for bringing this team together and letting them just run with it. Yeah. Really good choice. My pick this week is Tales of Suspense number 103. It's Tales of Suspense featuring Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier. This is part four of five of Red Ledger. It's written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Travel Foreman, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by Clayton Cowles. This entire limited series has taken place in, I guess you could call it like the vacuum of Black Widow's death, which took place in uh, Secret Empire. And there's been a lot of mystery, a lot of, Yes, suspense as Hawkeye and Bucky, as Clinton Bucky, go through this kind of really fun, like spy adventure to try and pick up the pieces and discover what happened to Natasha Romanoff. Obviously, they both have such deep and long held personal ties to her. So this is a really emotional journey for them. And it's really interesting, specifically in this issue, to see how those emotions can play to their advantage at times. But at other times, it can kind of muddy the waters a little bit too much for this superhero business. We open up and a month ago, we see Natasha Romanoff and she is kind of in this, how would you describe it? Like a limbo in between space? It seems it, like yeah. a limbo. She's, you know, dressed in, in, in like hospital gown or, or hospital pajamas and uh, on a beach and it's sunny and it just feels surreal. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is completely surreal because behind her, there's a talking bear. Right. 
There's a talking bear. There's no talking bears in reality. No. She kind of queries him as it just kind of makes sense. Uh, hey, talking bear. Hey, what's talking going bear. on over here? Yeah. That's my uh, Black Widow impression. Thank very you very good. much. Yes. And he kind of, he sums it up for her the best that he can in the moment because things, as he says, there's a ex- quick exchange here where it kind of, you know, it sums up how strange of an episode this is for Nat. She says, I died. He says, you did. She says, Steve, Steve killed me. That would be obviously Steve Rogers during the events of Secret Empire. And he says, yes and no, it's complicated. Yeah. And that pretty much starts the issue as we discover that she is going back and she's in the red room. Right. So she's in the red room. What we saw in the beginning wasn't so much a dream sequence, but it's like, um, think of like the danger room tech yeah. where you've got these hard holograms and it's, it brings you into reality. It's almost, yeah, like priming you back to reality. And the talking bear was actually Ursa Major, who is, you know, a, a, a part of the Red Room, a member of the Winter Guard, mm-hmm. Soviet super team, and is an awesome character, has had many, many adventures. And in this is like the finest we'll, we'll see. We've seen Ursa right. Major. So cool. Yeah, yeah, really awesome. And so as this revelation is made, and as we see Natasha making some really big discoveries, she, she sees these kind of like clones being grown of her and her fellow kind of spies. Have you ever seen Akira? The, uh, yes, uh, I have. Yeah, I actually or, or the manga. A, a chapter two of my thesis in college was part about Akira. Ooh. Yes. Oh, well, we'll have to dig into Academia. that some I did not know you were an Akira fan. That's <laughs> yeah. great. But these panels here, especially from the coloring yes. to the, the vibe, the bubble, like I started to hear some of the soundtrack to mm-hmm. Akira, like the weird... Yeah. Yeah. Like in my head when I was, I was like, oh, yeah, completely. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And as she makes these discoveries, as she goes through and kind of is retrained in a, a, a strange way, obviously it's so difficult because she doesn't know what's going on exactly. She doesn't really understand how this fits into the timeline of things. And that kind of slowly and strangely gets kind of pulled out of the issue as she has more conversations with you know a, a ton of different people through throughout her time in the red room but i love it so much because it, i love something like this that kind of recontextualizes something that we've known all along and that would be the title of this storyline which is red ledger and we, it kind of makes sense now specifically with the concept of the ledger with like her being part of this almost, I don't want to say like a number on a list, but part of a longer lineage than she quite knew about beforehand. It is world-shaking stuff, certainly for the character. Yeah, and it's darker. It, it, It somehow makes Black Widow, her reality, her past, all of it darker than it was before, which mm-hmm. is kind of wild because she always had this... Yeah really difficult story and and the things she's gone through and and everything surrounding her has always been kind of upsetting. Yeah. So as the issue kind of reaches its second half, we see Natasha slowly inserted from a kind of different perspective into the adventures that Bucky and Clint have been going on in search of her. We see that she's kind of been present. She's had a part to play in a lot of these things, but in a way that we wouldn't quite expect. Yeah. She is kind of the mastermind of everything that they're going through, which is what they expected or wouldn't let dare let themselves suspect. And that's something that Clinton Bucky have been dealing with as they've gone along is saying like, no, she's dead. This can't be her. This has got to be someone else. And, you know, in a strange way, as Obi-Wan Kenobi might say from a certain point of view, it kind of is because, you know, the events of Secret Empire were like profoundly, you know, did change the course of her character. So in such a huge way that I think the argument could be made that there are some really major and super interesting changes going on here, not just with her character, but certainly with how she relates to Clinton Bucky. Yeah. The structure you're talking about with what we see that uh, Natasha has done over the course of the other issues behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. around the edges, all those things just reminds me again of how smart a storyteller Matt Rosenberg Mm -hmm. is as the writer. And Mm -hmm. because this feels very 
cinematic to me. It feels yeah. like a movie. Like you've gone through the first two acts of the movie mm-hmm. and you, you, you're down this path and then you get to this turning point and you see everything you've already learned from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and Matt does, he writes this in a way that feels like you're watching a movie, but also feels very much like you are reading a, an amazing comic book. Mm-hmm. And of course, Travel Foreman, his art is astounding. Yeah, like yeah. astounding. Yeah, it's an, it's really incredible, uh, and 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 feels so unique. And Rochelle Rosenberg's colors I already mentioned them, but it, it it adds so much. It's kind of got this old school vibe to it. Specifically, as we move towards the end, I actually wanted to sh- to call out Black Widow's origin story her very first appearance in marvel comics which we spoke about it briefly before you called out you knew that it was tales of suspense number 52 very impressive but that question of her morality who she's working with and working for for and for what reasons you know obviously has its some very deep roots in this character and Issue number 52 of Tales of Suspense. We're on issue number 103 now, which is is really fun to see this as part of that lineage. But issue number 52 came out in 1964. So these you were things, only two years old. I was at that only point. two years old. That's oh right. Gosh. So it, it's really cool to kind of see, not overtly at all, but it, to see these concepts kind of played with again here. Uh, and of course, it makes perfect sense to happen in the Tales of Sense book. She ends up having a confrontation with Clinton Bucky at the end. They yeah. are simultaneously get their asses kicked and the like their brains kicked. Yeah. Because then, they don't know what is happening. Like you could feel their hearts like sort of like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. We both love you. We don't know what's happening. Please talk to us. And she knows what she needs to do. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the last thing, but there's a yeah. really interesting, that last shot, the yeah. last panel of what's going on and what she's holding in her hand, mm-hmm. I think is really important, is going to lead us into that next issue and is going to tell us how the story comes together. And right. I was like, ooh. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's really, really fascinating. Like you said, the first three issues were some wonderful kind of cross-continental journeying and great buddy. We talked about like the buddy cap aspect of this and having that intrigue and having that mystery like and really solidifying that before throwing this issue at it and just completely flipping everything on its head. It's really fun to go on that journey with Hawkeye and Winter Soldier alongside them and to kind of you get you get that feeling of confusion and having a completely new perspective on the thing and kind of just constantly running to catch up. And yeah, exactly like you said, part five of five is going to be so fascinating and fun to read to see how everything ties back together to see this big chapter in the aftermath of secret empire and certainly this big chapter in uh, the life of natasha romanoff yeah we have to move on to our last pick of the week but a couple of quick things i wanted to note there's a great panel in here of ursa major reading a magazine called bears illustrated yep. so you tweet about this yeah love that one yeah. there's a beautiful full page spread of natasha in the middle of it and around her are different panels of the assassinations of that we've mm-hmm. kind of seen throughout the rest of the story arc and it's you the only colors there are black white different shades of gray and red it's so striking it's you know this team of travel foreman and rochelle rosenberg phenomenal just doing the the best work again every time i talk about a matt rosenberg book there's always going to be those funny npc moments where you just have characters talking to each other in the background yeah great dialogue as always in there and there's a little touch i like where natasha when she's she's just talking to herself but she's talking about clint and bucky Mm -hmm. and she just says like Okay, boys. And yeah. the way she says boys is so endearing. Yeah. And, and there's something special about that. I, I like that little touch yeah. in the issue. Phenomenal stuff. All right. Last pick of the week. And this is a doozy. Oh, boy. Tucker, you knew I was going to pick this one. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, it's it's Mighty Thor 705. And, you know, as this final arc, the death of the Mighty Thor has kind of ramped up and now it's coming to its conclusion it's every issue is a monument it is a huge piece kind of i think in recent marvel history yeah no without a doubt creative team is stellar one of my favorites landmark grouping here it's mm-hmm. uh, jason aaron is a writer 
art by Russell Dodderman and Matt Wilson with lettering and production by Joe Sabino. And Joe has to get big shout outs because of the, yeah. the lettering, yeah. the sound effects, you know, especially in a book like this that has so much action and the sound effects sort of meld into the work mm-hmm. so much and, and all kinds of things going on. Joe's doing great work. Joe used to work actually at Marvel headquarters. And now he's doing lettering and production. He's a great guy. So wanted to give him a nice shout out because we don't always, but it's uh, it's also got one of my favorite covers of the week. Yeah. It's by Russell and Matt. It's Thor sort of engulfed in flames and the, the body language and the way she's standing. Mm-hmm. It's so somber in the midst of all the chaos and yeah. the horror of these flames. And I think that says a lot about what the tone of the book is. But we open up and it's not this fight with Mangog because mm-hmm. that's where we are. Where Mangog has been just destroying everything in Asgardia, killing Asgardians, destroying the planet, everything. But we open up a scene from months ago, and it's a scene we've not been privy to before. It's the origin of Jane becoming Thor. It's this beautiful, sweet thing. Of course, Matt Wilson's colors are just phenomenal across the board. But here, there's this rainbow effect throughout all these scenes. It's Jane talking to Heimdall and basically being like, I got to do this. He's like, you you really shouldn't, mm-hmm. but I will not stop you because I, you are going to do what you're going to do. You're a hero, even if it kills you. And she's like, yep. And she goes through the Rainbow Bridge, takes a trip to the moon where Mjolnir is. And this sort of goes back to the events of Original Sin, where Thor lost the hammer, boom, and it was picked up by this new Thor. Well, here we see Jane have that moment. She says, there must always be a Thor, mm-hmm. you know, knowing the importance that Thor brings to the world as a hero, as a sign of hope, as a member of Asgardia, as a member of like the council, right. you know, like with the all the things going on between the 10 worlds, the 10 realms, she has to take on this mantle. And boom, we get this gorgeous splash page of Jane picking up the hammer. And this illustration is mid-transformation, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's her looking at Mjolnir full of joy and and hope and happiness. She's still, she's fighting her cancer at this mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. but it's such this beautiful scene of her becoming Thor. It's a, it's a really awesome concept to open this book on. As we know, we're coming to the end of Jane's story here. It's so cool to be reminded of the meaning behind why she originally picked up the hammer, why she assumed the title of Thor. And, you know, I think that page right there, you know, exemplifies the feeling, the emotion of kind of joy, of power, of we know she's doing this for the right reason. She has this this kind of superhero exterior, but this really raw personal connection to everything at the center of it. And so before we jump back into the action, this felt like a really wonderful little respite, little flashback, little memory to remind us of what this is all about amidst the chaos. Yeah. And then speaking of the chaos, you go from the serenity and positivity here to the next page is another full page spread of Thor uppercutting Mangog with Mjolnir and blood just showering them. There's fire, the reds, the blues, the purples, the colors are everywhere. It's so incredible. This image is, it's going to be one of those, those like landmark battles for yeah. Thor stories. It's Thor versus Mangog in this run is up there with, with anything else you could put. And so we've got this here and then it's just knock down, drag out fight. She like knocks him into molten gold, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, like the gold melts on top of Mangog and then starts to harden. She's like, you know, hopefully this will hold him for a bit. We need to get the rest of Asgardia off. We need to have them leave. And you've got Odin still being a total jerk. Mm-hmm. He is the prickiest prick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's here. He's like, you know, that hammer shouldn't be with you, blah, blah, blah. And Freya's like, shut up, old man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're a jerk. Let her do what she's doing. She's a hero. She's fighting for us. There's this, you know, back and forth. And, and Thor is ultimately like, y'all need to leave. Right. Get out of here. I am fighting Mangog. I'm going toe to toe with him. You need to get out of here. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. And even Odinson is like, no, I I will stay and fight with you. And one of my favorite panels of the week we talked about on the pull list is this panel here where Jane as Thor is pleading with them, like 
you have to go. Mm -hmm. You need to leave. It, it's time to earn the gift that you've been given of of this life and get out of here so I can finish this fight. And in the background, Mangog is barreling towards her. Mm -hmm. Just fury. The way that Russell draws the Mangog is beautiful and intense. It's taking this Jack Kirby concept and idea and, and vibe to so many levels yeah. of, of fury, detail, uh, rage. It is pure rage. And we get that. And it's wonderfully done by also making the, the background uh, out of focus. So mm -hmm. you can see that there's this thing coming. It, it, it's such a visceral vision right mm -hmm. there. And, and you know he's coming. And the next panel is just... Whoosh, chaos and calamity again and again and again you know beautiful panel structures to these pages they're not simple squares or rectangles it's a lot of odd shapes and they jut across each other and backgrounds flow behind each other it's not something you may think about when you think about a comic book and and how the panels are are laid out but it really does affect the story it affects the flow it, mm -hmm. it brings a level of of chaos and frenetic action to everything and so we just get them going this big boom 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 all this fighting going on mangog is winning though mangog yeah. is just he cannot be stopped and they have a great conversation in mid-fight he is basically saying you know it doesn't matter what you can do i am yeah. all the rage that is needed this is a really interesting part for me was the conversation that they're having because i feel like Jane and the Mangog exchange more words than like the Mangog has exchanged with any Asgardian that we've seen over the last five, ten issues. That was very interesting to me because I think just on a logical level, I think it just comes down to the fact that like Jane isn't from Asgard. She is not a god. She's from Midgard. She is kind of an outsider in this fight and she is giving her all and taking the fight to Mangog. But I think the Mangog, you know, it's not holding back in any way whatsoever there's some sort of discerning attitude between her and the odin son or odin or freya and there's kind of more explanation there's more reasoning that's going on here it's all rage but it, it, it was it was really interesting to see the kind of level of back and forth that emerged through these pages yeah i agree with what you're saying and mangog is like you're not their people yeah i'm not their people you don't even like them half the time. What's your deal? Why would you fight for them? Mm -hmm. what, what's what's the point here? And uh, what would you sacrifice? Because they're never going to change. They're always going to be these gods who think they are better than everyone. They're going to commit genocide. They're going to do things because they think that they can. Mm -hmm. And that is sort of at the core of his rage. It's like my people were murdered and that's why I'm here. Yeah. Why would you protect them? And it's really interesting because we've seen Jane issue similar sentiments in the past about like the dogma of the gods, about how set in their ways there are, how aloof they can be when it comes to like human emotion. So it's it's really interesting to see like this one little shred of space that they maybe don't relate to each other about, but maybe can identify with mm. in a strange way. Of course, it's not going to change Jane's mentality, but it was a really interesting little note to just drop in amidst, you know, the fight. Yeah. And then he says this line, why would you die for the gods? Yeah. And she says, I die for love, Mangog. And this mm -hmm. is this panel, this page, it just... It hit me so hard. She has called the lightning. She's been slammed down by Mangog. And cheesy as it may sound, she's the, channeling the, her love, her strength, the power of her belief in the people she loves mm -hmm. to fight back against what is impossible to beat. And this beautiful panel, the lightning crashes down and you see what in her mind is what she thinks of as she's doing this fight. It's her life, her friendships, her love, Thor, Freya, her mom, all these different things that are in her head mm -hmm. and are helping her get through all of this. Mm -hmm. And I think her being mortal is part of why she can do this because yeah. she has that perspective. And then ultimately, boom, they are fighting and the, the Asgardians are trying to get out of here. And she throws Mangog into the sun mm -hmm. and it doesn't kill him. Yeah. It doesn't stop him and he's like nothing can stop the man god <laughs> you know it is just rage personified he's destroying the the boat that the asgardians are leaving on they will not be able to stop him even odinson is like what are you doing and she's like 
I, I believe you. I can't stop you. But there was a mortal named Jane, a woman who gave up everything in order to stop you. Remember that. Remember her when you think of this. And then she talks to Mjolnir. She says, fly true, my friend. Fly like the mighty storm you are. Ties an unbreakable rope created by the dwarves, magical thing, ties it around Mangog and sends Mjolnir just to fly into the sun and stay there. Mm -hmm. It's just this moment of explosion. There's rage from Odinson, like, you killed my hammer, my friend, this thing that has given you life. And then there's this realization that not only did she sacrifice Mjolnir, this important piece of who she is and Odinson is, an Asgardian weapon, all this other stuff, she's killed herself. Mm -hmm. That is the end, because without Mjolnir, she loses her powers. Mm -hmm. She becomes... Jane the mortal again. It's this wonderful scene. She takes off her helmet. For the first time, we see Thor as the Asgardian god Mm -hmm. without the helmet. Identity revealed. And this beautiful scene, this kiss goodbye. Mm -hmm. And the transformation from Thor to Jane and her death. This one one hit me hard because I've been going through stuff with my cat Lola. Mm -hmm. She has cancer. I literally, I was reading this issue over the weekend with her on my lap and like she has these lumps on her and I feel them and it crushed me. This, this scene just brought me to tears. It was, the story has been so good and so impactful mm-hmm. and it, it resonates so much that it was a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my heart was, was heavy reading this one. Our universe, the, the comics, our stories that we tell, these characters, everything is stronger because we've had this, this tale of Jane Foster, who is also the mighty Thor. It's not just Thor. It's Jane Foster and the mighty Thor. Mm -hmm. The two of them together, not as one. It's this whole singular thing. This was a a heavy one. And it is one of my favorite comics of all time. Yeah. All right. From one of the greatest comics of all time, in my opinion, to the news, we got plenty. Tucker, why don't you kick this off with some comics news? Yeah, sure. We announced this week uh, a formal announcement of The Weekend Presents Starboy. It is The Weekend teaming up with Marvel to tell an original story. It's going to drop on June 13th, which is super exciting. It's written by Abel, The Weekend, Tess Faye, Lamar Taylor, Christos Gage, with art by Eric Wynn. And Guru EFX against the weekend presents Starboy. Uh, it's this kind of crazy, awesome, like alternate universe, dark story, kind of like crime, noir, superheroes. Uh, it's gonna be That's a lot of things yeah, going on. That's it's gonna exciting. be it's gonna be really, really cool. You can check out the cover on Marvel.com now, as well as a quote from the weekend himself, and uh, check out more information about what to expect from the series uh, coming this summer. Folks in, in the office always laugh at me because I am not hip to yeah. popular music. <laughs> when we had the album inspired by Marvel Studios' Black Panther, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. Like, yeah. I've, I've heard some of their names yeah. for sure, but I was listening to a lot of the music and a lot of these musicians for the first time, including The Weeknd. This was right. the first time that I can remember hearing The Weeknd was on that record and with the, the song with Kendrick Lamar. It was real good. Yeah. I liked that song a yeah. lot. Yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was a delight. <laughs> but what I, I'm also excited for is Christos working on this. Christos, yeah. he's a friend. He's done so many cool things. He's worked on the Daredevil TV show. He has worked on Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4. He's worked on so many great comics. Mm-hmm. And now he's working on this. So that gives it a lot of cool comic book cred to go along with the star power that the weekend brings. Yeah, so yeah. it's really neat. Yeah, really exciting. Yeah. Everybody's buzzing about that Deadpool guy this week. Oh, but yeah. We, uh, we have a new Deadpool Assassin series. That one is written by my friend. Colin Bunn and the mighty Mark Bagley. I think we were talking about on the pull list that Strike Force Moratori was added to mm-hmm. Marvel Unlimited, and that is over 30 years ago when Mark Bagley started right. at Marvel. He won a contest to become <laughs> a Marvel comic book artist, and he's still one of the best artists That's so cool. in the industry. He's yeah. he's amazing. So him doing a Deadpool book is really exciting for me. And it's got Weasel, who I love. Weasel classic Deadpool character. It's got ninjas and I think like knife-wielding speedsters I was reading. So yeah, yeah. It should be really neat. Uh, another awesome piece of, you know, we're talking about like, you said 30 years ago, Mark Bagley. What what would what, what wouldn't that be like? It's mid eighties. Okay, uh, there, well, it, it was over thirty years ago for Strike Force. Right. So it was like I think it was eighty five, eighty six, okay. somewhere around. Okay, that. cool. Well, that lines up perfectly, right, with our next piece of news, which is that there's a Dazzler comic coming, right? 
Uh, what's the connection? Is Just it because Dazzler's been debut around for 30 years? Oh, okay. In like the mid 80s? It's like a rock, what? 80s rocker origin? Early. Uh, uh, Early 80s, late 70s, somewhere around Oh, okay. There? I don't know. Ron Richards, his ears are yeah, tingling because yeah. he probably knows the exact... <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, Dazzler... Because she, she was slightly after the disco craze. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but not so after where it was like, wait, what's happening? Right. right. It, was, it was after enough where people were like, huh. But she's Dazzler and she's friggin' awesome. Yeah. Dazzler X song number one is coming in June. It's written by Eisner nominee Magdalene Visaggio with art by Laura Braga. It's a really awesome one shot. You can go check out that news story on Marvel.com as well. Learn more about it. But this will be, I think, my first like proper introduction to Dazzler. Oh. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Jim McCann wrote some good Dazzler stuff, I don't know, almost 10 years ago. Mm. Probably like eight years ago. So check that out. And obviously Dazzler has been in tons of great comics. She's she's really cool. And she has an interesting evolution as a character over the years. Right. Um, I would also read A-Force. She was in A-Force. Oh, okay. She's dope. All right, awesome. Uh, okay. One thing I talked about at the top of the show was that I'm going to be on a cover of comic book, y'all. Oh, yeah. We're doing this five issues of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, and that starts this summer. And these are uh, mixed media photography and comic book art project for the covers. Not even variants. They're just regular covers. Yeah. This cool idea. You did a story on marvel.com mm-hmm. about this. So tell us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, Chris Robinson, who's the editor of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, reached out to me, told me about this project that's coming up. It's really, really exciting. So Natasha Bustos worked with a couple of photographers who went out and grabbed photos of some New York City locales, including, like you said, Marvel HQ. Most specifically, your desk at Marvel HQ. Yeah. Uh, they only it, had to, we only had to move like five Godzilla toys. Right. Uh, I, I was actually wondering about that. Yeah, yeah. We moved out the Godzilla toys, but everything else is pretty much as is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the photographers are Rachel Orlo and our very own wonderful Judy Stevens, who took your shot. Um, Host of Women of Marvel, which you should be listening to. And it it was a really interesting concept to hear Chris talk about it, to hear Brandon Montclair, the writer of the series, talk about it, about kind of introducing Lunella and uh, Devil Dinosaur into New York City because that's where Lunella's from and to kind of do this project in a really interesting, you know, different way, uh, like you said, with this mixed media concept. So yeah, go check out that article on marvel.com. There's a whole interview with Natasha. Chris talks about it as well. Uh, Yeah, it's really unique project and I'm so looking forward to to having a a Ryan Panagos cover. Yeah, my wife was like, we have to get many copies of this. I was like, I get one. <laughs> I can take one from Cirilli. Yeah. Maybe find another one or two. Then I'm gonna have to start buying copies. Yeah, yeah. I fully expect to start signing these. Oh yeah. Are you gonna uh, like go into like like local comic shops in New York and be like, mm, Moon Girl and Devil's Dinosaur? What is it? Thirty three. Yeah. Moon, Moon. This is an interesting comic. I'll have uh, one, please. Oh. Look at who's on the cover. Just kind of like shouting over your shoulder, yeah. helping people hear. <laughs> it's definitely what I'm going to yeah. do. Uh, and last piece of comic news this week is super awesome. We talked about Mighty Thor 705 just earlier and for Mighty Thor 706, the very final issue of this run, there's going to be a special variant cover by none other than Thor and Marvel legend, Writer and artist Walter Simonson. He's providing a cover uh, for 706. It's colored by Laura Martin. We revealed it on Marvel.com. It is absolutely gorgeous. And it's so cool to have that kind of generational kind of history brought in for the final issue. It's so awesome. This is Walt's first and last time drawing Jane Foster Thor. So check that out as well. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Very exciting. On the TV front, there was a new trailer for Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. That's coming to Freeform with a two-hour pilot premiere exclusively on Freeform Thursday, June 7th. So the first trailer was cool. It was really weird and trippy. And, and you know, I've, I've seen some stuff from it over the last couple of months here in the office. But I think the this trailer gave it a really neat vibe that is different from what people might be expecting. Right, right. Yeah. So you'll be able to see lots more of that. You can check out the trailer on Marvel.com and our YouTube and social media 
uh, pages. Uh, and speaking of Cloak and Dagger, the DLC level and character pack for Cloak and Dagger is now available in Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. It's it's set sort of after they gain their their powers. You got to help them escape their captor, some henchmen, and blah 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 blah. Some just cool, fun Lego Marvel Super Heroes action, yeah. but. When you do that, you get unlockable characters, which include Cloak, Dagger, Mr. Negative, Blackout, Shroud, Nightmare, and Silvermane to the game's roster of over 200 superheroes and supervillains. To me, that's super cool because you... Like Silvermane is this weird old Magia dude who got into like this robot suit and he was always drawn like his face is the only organic part of him, but he's got like robot body and he's kind (laughs) of lanky and weird. Always hated him. Cool villain. <laughs> yeah. Like, he grossed me out. Nightmare is one of my favorite Doctor Strange villains. He is literally just the dude who gives you nightmares. And That's cool. in Marvel Comics Presents, he he had a really cool story back in the day. He's done a lot of great stuff in Doctor Strange comics. I'm very excited for that. Uh, and then you get, yeah, Shroud, Mr. Negative, Blackout. Neat stuff. Yeah. Digging it. And last but very, very much not least, little reminder for you guys to check out new episodes of Wolverine, The Long Night, and the Marvel After Show of the episodes on Stitcher Premium. It just It's getting better and better and better. I, I, I'm loving this series, so make sure to go listen now. Yeah, use code MARVEL to get your first month free. At this point, you'll be able to listen to, within a month, almost the whole series yeah. for free. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... They're going to want your money. (laughs) Give them your money. Yeah. Throw it at them. Throw it at them. They deserve it. This series is awesome. Yeah. Time for questions and comments. Our community section. Reminder, you can use the hashtag this week in Marvel to tweet us, or you can email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. A couple off the top. Uh, Last week, my question was, let us know what you guys are thinking of Wolverine the Long Night. Mm-hmm. And we got a couple in here. Fred Martin Campo says, can't recommend Wolverine podcast enough. The tension, writing, and how the story is recorded is so awesome. Great techniques, totally involving you and taking you inside the story. Richard Armitage is totally Wolverine. I still think it would be awesome to have him on the big screen. I don't know nothing about that, but I think when you listen to him, he is dope. Yeah. He's really, really Perfect good. casting. Yeah. Kenneth Ellis says, I listened to the trailer and can say it's one of the highest quality audio experiences I have ever heard. Just think of what the whole episodes are going to be like <laughs> yeah. if you just heard the trailer. Yeah, Kenny. Yeah. Naeem Jeremiah Scott says, Wolverine the Long Night was awesome. Well, Agreed. It, it is awesome. It's going to keep going. I was hoping to have one of the producers of the show, Dan Fink, on to, uh, to respond to your questions and your tweets and stuff. But he's got some fun stuff going on. So we're very happy to, for him. Unfortunately, he can't be here, but it's for good things mm-hmm. plenty. All right. For the rest of our tweets, why don't you read a couple? Sure. Andrew Stevens says, is there any chance of getting Alias on Marvel Unlimited? It was a great series, but I missed some and it would be great to read them on MU as a run. So the answer is no, because those are Marvel Max X. books. Yeah. They are mature readers. Marvel Unlimited does not have any of the mature reader stuff. That's just something that is part of the service. So mm. that's essentially a hard and fast rule. You can get all the digital issues on Marvel's books on Comixology. So mm-hmm. if you go to Comixology, they have the full run. I made someone in our digital comics team give me all the issues because I wanted to reread them. Uh, even though I have the trades, mm-hmm. it's just how I am. I'm a jerk like that. <laughs> Brian Stranko says, at h H&M, I just finished This Week in Marvel episode 123, Unlimited Reading Club Man Without Fear is one of my favorite Daredevil stories. I love how the Netflix series fleshed out the origin of Kingpin rather than going from Little Hands of the Darkness to being Kingpin in this story's good pick. We make good picks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about the, bringing back the Reading Club and getting some good guests to come on mm-hmm. and talk with us about some books. So we're going to f- flesh those out. I know yeah. some people have been asking. Yeah. Uh, and he continues, he says that he picked up the Women of Marvel podcast and is running through the timeline. The dual reading club perspective is really cool. And he's at episodes 149 and 11. What year would that have been? Do you have any idea? So it would have been like three or so years yeah, ago. Right. It's like take. half the yeah, half three, of this three week and change. Yeah. yeah. So back when you weren't even born yet. Yeah. <laughs> in yep. this podcast, we're, we're positing that you were born in the 60s and less than three years ago. Yeah. So yeah, I like, like it. It's like, I'm like cable in that way. I'm born 
in the future somehow also, but also I've traveled to the past and, you know. I'm... I mean, he was born in our time yeah. and thrust into the future. Yeah. Came back to the past. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's like fine. me. I was born when the first issue of, of Dazzler came out. And <laughs> that's my connection to that in the 80s and the disco. And then I went to the 60s and now I'm known here. Yes. Anyway. Fair. At my radcast, Jim says, from what I heard on This Week in Marvel, Wolverine observes his birthday the same week as my birthday. Until I am corrected, I will assume it is the same day. Jim, it is guaranteed you have the same exact birthday as Congrats, Jim. Put it on your driver's license. Put it on your social security card. Say also same birthday as Wolverine. It is proven. Yeah. If you get pulled over for like speeding or something, the police officer comes and asks you for your ID. You say, hey, by the way, you know, bub, who who I have the same uh, birthday as, you know, I'm, uh, you, you know, snicked. (laughs) perfect Captain Rogers 44 Robert says had my little cousin inform me today that the Hulk is the best Avenger to which I begrudgingly replied he's the strongest Captain America is the best Avenger then handed him a copy of Captain America 695 by Wade and Somni gotta teach him young you know what you're doing the right thing totally agreed giving the youngsters comics is the way to go Raph A.B., our good friend Raph, says, who made the painting in the second season of Jessica Jones? That would be David Mack. David Mack. Amazing artist, David Mack. You've seen his art on a lot of Daredevil comics over the years, specifically in the early part of the run that was started with Joe Quesada and Kevin Smith. There was a lot of David Mack art subsequently in that. I think he's done alias covers as Mm. well along the way. And David's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Simon Williams at Simon Sebs says, I really enjoyed Avengers 684. Sometimes I just want to see the Hulk being a force of nature and walking through everyone. If this is what a mortal Hulk is going to be, consider me sold. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Simon, you should hang out with uh, Captain Rogers' little cousin. <laughs> and then the last one, which we talked about at the beginning of the show, Lex Pendrag and Tech Lord says, can this week of Marvel list which comics it does? It's deep dive into inside the episode description. That way I can be sure to finish reading those issues before listening to the podcast. Great suggestion. We will enact it. Looking at Tucker and evil producer Brandon, they're the ones who put together all the copy for the show from the news story to the episode description and all that stuff. So I think it's a great one. We'll make sure to, to keep that up front for you guys. So if you want to know what you're getting into and read them. And that way, we're going to make you buy those issues yeah. before you listen to the podcast. You're going to have to. Otherwise, you're going to get spoiled. And they're our favorite issues of the week. So you don't want to get spoiled. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is our final hashtag this week in Marvel tweet of the week. But late last night. There was a development. Breaking news. Folks, I'm coming to you live from a seat at Marvel headquarters. (laughs) And (laughs) I could barely contain myself. I saw this tweet last night. It came from none other than Dangerous Donny Cates. And he tweeted to both of us. And he said. (laughs) He did not say that. He didn't. Quote. Wrote at Tucker Marcus's name into a book today just to hear him and Agent M talk about it on the podcast. You know what? Dangerous Donnie is also intelligent Donnie. Because if you want to get talked about it on the show, you write us into the book, in, into your books. That's just the way it goes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am so excited about this. He said that it's it'll show up in Cosmic Ghost Rider number two, wow. which I am so excited about because that is one of my most anticipated series of 2018. Heck yeah. Um. Donnie. How's it feel? I, it feels incredible. This yeah. is this is this is the first time this has ever happened to me. Uh, you know, I don't have planets and pelicans named after me. Or on comic book covers, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, not quite there yet. But I, I, I don't know. I, I'm so excited. I, I can't wait to uh to see what this is, to see how this ends up. I don't know. Maybe some very intelligent editor downstairs will be like, What are you doing? Take his name out. But just the intent alone is pretty awesome. And I yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. To all the other creators who listen to the show, which I know there are a number of you, feel free to write more Panagoses <laughs> and Tucker Marcuses yes. into your books, and we will promise to talk <laughs> about them in depth at some point. That's yeah. a guarantee. Yeah. Okay, so we got all your guys' uh, questions and comments in, but it's time for our question of the week. And I thought, you know, we were talking about the big updates to the Disneyland parks earlier in the show. And why don't we make our question of the week tied to that? And and 
On top of that, I thought I'd bring back Mr. Ron Richards. So, Ron, thanks for coming back and joining us for this last little bit of the show. But of the three new themed areas coming to the Disney parks, which are you guys most excited to visit first? That's a good question. We're all going to want to go to all three of them. Like, there's no doubt about that. And I know it'll be easier for me to get to Disneyland Resort. Yeah. I think I would say, for me, it's Disneyland Paris. One, because I I love Paris. So, like, it's an excuse to go back to Europe and go spend a couple days in in Paris, but also spend some time at a Disney park I've never been to. Disneyland Paris has an amazing Ratatouille attraction, oh. like which is it's just spot on. And also, there now I'm just going to rave about Disneyland Paris, but their Tomorrowland and the Space Space Mountain is themed like Jules Verne, turn of the century kind oh, of. Oh boy! That's and awesome. it, and because it's a Space Mountain that was built in the 90s as opposed to Space Mountain in, in Disney World or Disneyland, which was built in the 70s. They've got modern roller coaster ability in there. So I don't believe there's a loop in there, but it comes real close to an in, inside, in you know, enclosed loop. Crazy. So Paris is a great choice. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I always make the best choices. Twim, you, Twim listener Raf A.B., Raphael, notoriously French. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Raf, I, I, I have a feeling what, what your answer is going to be for this one, but, you know, surprise us. Yeah. Surprise us. Let's see. Tucker, what about you? For me, oh man, that's tough. I've had some friends who have gone to Hong Kong say it's incredible. Some friends who have gone to to, uh, to Disney in Hong Kong say it's really incredible. So I, that's got to be my answer. And, and that one is going to be Ant-Man and the Wasps. Yeah. So shrinking, I got to imagine that's going to be a part of the attraction. I don't right, know for sure. Right. But like given Disney Imagineering's history with like Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, which is one of my favorite attractions back in the day where it was a theatrical and you shrunk down. It was awesome. I got to imagine that's going to be like the guest experience for that to shrink down to the size of Ant-Man right. and the Wasp would be a ton of fun. Right. So it's it's hey, A Bug's Life. We love you. Farewell. Goodbye to Anaheim, a bug's life. It's a different kind of bug's life coming to Hong Kong. There you go. He's a bug. He's a bug man. That's a good point. Oh, Tucker. (laughs) Well, I I would probably choose Disneyland and California Adventure, not because it's the only one you guys didn't talk about, but the idea, they already have Guardians of the Galaxy, so they're already building on something, and the idea of this Marvel-themed land, I'm really excited to see what they do with the space in California Adventure. I love California Adventure. I love Disneyland. Disneyland is the park that started it all, and so to have a piece of Marvel that close to Walt's original vision for the park is really something special, so that's what I'm excited for. That's fair. That's fair. Knowing a bunch of the plans for that one, too, I'm just like drooling all over it. It's going to be great. All right. Thank you, Ron. I go back to work now. Fine. (laughs) Fine. For everybody else, make sure you tweet us with the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Let us know your answer to this question of the week. You can also email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. All right. Thank you, Rugged Ron, uh, for joining us one last time on this episode. That about wraps it up. Tucker. You did great, kid. Oh, thank you so much. I was barely keeping it together for most of that, uh, most of that ep- having heard that Donnie news. I know. Yeah. It's was, it was pretty tremendous. Yeah. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with more episodes. Make sure to check out Marvel's The Pull List on Tuesday, and we'll be back with another one next week. This is Marvel. Your universe.